What is shaking, everybody? Before we get to Joe Shasky, I just wanted to take a minute to invite all of you to join me for a lovely round of golf at Green Valley Country Club next month on Monday, October 30th. So to put a little, you know, a little capper on your Halloween weekend celebrations, uh, Golf Guide is hosting a member for a day event at a Green Valley Country Club for just $90. You get yourself a round of golf with a cart and a delicious lunch provided by the fine folks at Green Valley Country Club. Uh, we've worked it out with the powers that be to get you access to this normally private golf course uh, to come and enjoy yourself and a wonderful round of golf for the day. I will be there. Uh, our publisher will be there. I'm hoping we get Casey out there. And uh, I want to come and see all of you guys. So if you go to golfguide.net and search Green Valley, you can buy a ticket uh, for yourself and all your buddies, 90 bucks a pop, which is an absolute steal. I mean, members at Green Valley Country Club, when they want to bring a guest out with them, they got to pay the club 100 bucks just to get them around to golf. And we're going to get you out there for a round of golf, a cart, and a delicious lunch for just 90 bucks. And again, you can go to golfguide.net, search Green Valley, and buy a ticket there. Or if it's easier for you, we also have tickets available on Eventbrite as well. So again, Monday, October 30th, Green Valley Country Club member for a day event presented by Golf Guide. All right. Now that we got that taken care of, let's get to it. Mr. Joe Shasky, everybody. Joe Shasky, the Butcher Boy, on the Golf Guide Podcast. Joe, it is an honor, man. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I love golf. There's very few golf podcasts, and um, there's just so much to talk about the beautiful sport. And I feel like there's a growing segment of younger people that are really into golf. So I think you're filling a very big niche. Yeah, man. Well, I got to say, I was so stoked. Uh, when I saw that you were a big golf fan, I, I was actually listening to your uh, um, your SoundCloud podcast. Um, Thank you. An, an episode that you did with Brian Murphy, you know, KNBR legend Brian yes. Murphy, and uh, yeah. I just really, really enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, this is so much fun. I I'd always heard you calling into KNBR. You know, we were just talking about this before we started recording, but you yeah. know, you know, I remember hearing you calling into Damon Bruce when he was doing Sports Phone, yelling about the Giants. I mean, you. You and Salty pretty much, <laughs> along with D. Bruce, educated me as a sports fan from like age 18 to 21, man. So the fact that I'm sitting here getting a chance to talk golf with you right now, man, I I am just really, really stoked right now. Man, that's really flattering. You should be <laughs> – if I ever get divorced and have another wedding, you're going to be speaking at my uh, as my best man after oh, that one. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. That's it. You know, we, we really like to throw a lot of praise on our <laughs> guests around here, much much like the KNBR host that just heap praise on Jed York and all those guys. Not oh, no. not, not to get you too far off topic, but uh, <laughs> uh, anyway. So, um, Joe, I, I mean, obviously we're going to talk a little golf today, but in my attempt to be a hospitable host, before I just yeah. start berating you with golf questions, um, I'm going to give you an opportunity you know, to, to say whatever you want, to ask me some questions. Um, and also to tell the people listening a little about yourself, uh, a little about your relationship with golf. So yeah. you, you can go anywhere here, man. What, uh, what what do you got for me? Well, I'll just start with golf, man, because I absolutely love it. I, it's refreshing for me because um, unlike your, your, your sports teams, you know, where you only have one team, most people only have one team, the Warriors, or I like the Niners or the Giants. With golf, every single week, on tour at least, it is a unique backstory for a player that you can root for and there's so many diverse 
um, corners of the world that these guys come from, whether it's Roy McIlroy, John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Sergio Garcia. I mean, you could just name so many different guys, and I, I love the game. Um, on a personal note, you know, it's the only sport. I call it a sport. I think it's a huge time sport. I think it's it's competition at its finest. It's one of the oldest sports we have in society, but. It's it's just it's the game that sticks with you for life. And after all your you know uh, guys chasing dreams to play in the big leagues or playing hoops or football or whatever it is, everybody seems to get into golf. And there's a reason. It's just I think it's the purest form of individual competition. And it's just uh, you learn a lot about people during 18 holes and oh. somewhere between 65 and 110 swings, right? Yeah, yeah no doubt, man. I mean, if, if you're obviously, if, you know, a, a lot of people out there, 110 would be pretty excellent. And I mean, holy shit, <laughs> I can't even tell you just how just disgustingly I would shit my pants if I broke 65 for 18 holes. That would be... Oh, dude, that, join, that, I'll join the is, club. Yeah, no that question. Is, yeah, that is the dream, man. Well, that's, no, that I completely agree, man. And, and the crazy thing is, um, you know, you're watching those guys on tours, you know, anybody yeah. that says it's not a sport, I mean, listen, I, I, I get it. You know, people aren't hitting people. There's no running, you know, for, for a naive, non-educated sports fan, someone takes a look at golf. I could see how they might equate it to something like darts where they'd call it like a skill game rather than a sport. I mean, I'm going to completely disagree with them, but you know, I, the fact that there, I think it's the fact that some people don't work up a sweat. Somehow people justify that as it not being a sport, which let's be honest. I mean, you know, it, was David Ortiz working up a sweat all that much when he was playing uh, seventeen years for the Red Sox? I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I think it's kind of crazy, but no. The, what's so cool about professional golf, man, is like you said, guys are coming from all over the place. You got a bunch mm-hmm. of crazy personalities. Yeah. Um, granted, I, I wish there was a few more guys that were a little saltier. That you know, a little more villainish. Yeah, I, I wish there were some more villains, man. Because I agree, uh, it would be good for the game. Because so, I, I guess I'll start here for you, Joe. Right, yeah. Would you say you're more of a professional golf fan or a habitual golfer like do you spend more time both you know both. i'm addicted i'm addicted <laughs> bro i'm gonna be honest with you like I, I i stopped playing ball you know at a certain age and i didn't really realize growing up when my dad used to take us uh how much i would get into it as i got older and um there's just that thirst for competition that thirst for getting better um it's one of the only sports that you you don't plateau at your physical peak. You know what I'm saying? You don't mm-hmm. start to go downhill. You could see guys older in life, whether it's Tom Watson at 58 years old competing for a major or Phil Mickelson at 43 winning, uh, winning a British Open. And there's just – you don't have to be the most physically fit, yet you still see guys like Dustin Johnson that are extreme athletes – out on the course. So to me, it's, it's the best of everything. So like, I love to play the game because I like to compete and I love to have fun and I love going out in mother nature, no cell phones, even though I will take pictures and vines and things like that. Um, I love the purity. And then on, on tour, I'm just addicted to the excellence. I just think that these guys are unbelievably talented, skilled, and they've harnessed this craft to perfection. I mean, when they go eight feet to the right, they're disgusted with themselves. And it's just, it's incredible. And I think that of all the major sports, you know, I'm a big sports fan. Mm-hmm. I think the most difficult one is being a solo act, you know, whether it's tennis or, or golf on the tour by yourself. You have no teammates. Yes, you have a caddy, but you're out there hitting and and, and trying to basically go from tee to green on every single hole. And it's up to you. It's, it's, 
it's remarkable the resilience these guys have. And you, you brought up one thing about people saying it's not com- competition. You stand over a four-foot putt, <laughs> whether it's with all your buddies or go to the tee box when there's 100 people you know, standing there. There is a feeling of, oh, my God, I better not shank this into the tree. Can I get this over the red ladies' tees? You know what I mean? <laughs> But it, it's it's I don't think people have an appreciation for it like they should, and that's why I always tell people go out there and watch them play. It's unbelievable, dude. Um, yeah, I I could addicting. not agree more. Yeah, sorry to me to cut you off, man, but I, no, I tell you what, good. like the the guys who are playing on the PGA Tour, even like even guys like myself who love golf, who yeah. watch a lot of golf, sometimes you really take for granted just <sighs> how good those guys really are, man. Because like when you start thinking about just the numbers of it, like in terms of the amount of humans that get to play this particular sport at the highest level. Golf, I think, has a very legitimate argument as being the most difficult one, period. And that's because there's more people worldwide playing this sport than almost any of the other American sports. I mean, obviously, soccer's got probably more people playing it worldwide than anything else. But the major American sports, you know, by and large, aren't really widely played outside of North America. Golf is played all over the world. And then you think well, about, what, 125 guys with a tour card? Yes. I, I mean, like, dude, that is nothing. I mean, how many guys are on NFL rosters, MLB rosters? I mean, it's, if you're going to But how many of those guys are on oh. rosters that aren't going to win a championship? Yeah. Like, every single week, anyone can win. And that legitimately anyone can win. I can make an argument for this FedEx playoffs, like six, seven, eight different guys could win this thing. 100%. You can't say that in baseball, in football, in basketball. I mean, we know Cleveland and the Warriors are going to meet in the championship (laughs) at some point. If not Cleveland, it's going to be Boston, right? We already know today. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, barring any kind of, you know, really unfortunate injury to either side. Yeah, I mean, but but then again, I mean, is that... Has that always been the case with the NBA? Not not to get too far off topic, but I mean, yeah, you know, we're, yeah. we're we're so spoiled. I mean, I got to watch you know Vontigo Cummings and you know Ike Diagu <laughs> and you know Mike Dunleavy my whole life. That right now my my brain is still having trouble processing this whole my favorite team is really really good thing. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I was just so obsessed with watching eighteen win basketball my whole life that I kind of never really paid attention to the finals. Is yeah. it, is this like a new thing in the NBA? No, it's always happened, man. Okay. The Bulls, uh, what is there, seven teams or, or eight teams that have won a championship since 1981 mm-hmm. in the NBA? Boston, Lakers, Houston Rockets, Detroit Pistons, now the Warriors, Chicago Bulls. I mean, the list is very short. The yeah. list is very short. The parity is not in that league like it is in baseball or on the PGA Tour. I yeah. mean, look, just look at who won majors this year. Yeah, that's a good point, man. But that, that it, it gets me back to my point that that's what's so wild about golf is that even the guy who's like sitting at number one twenty five mm-hmm. on that PGA Tour list, I mean, granted, he might you know he might have a top ten here or there, but you know by and large, even you know even avid golf fans aren't gonna you know know a lot of the names of the guys who are sitting you know from one ten to one twenty five yeah, at the yeah. end. Those guys are so much better than you or oh. I at golf. It is unfathomable. How yeah. skilled those guys are, and they can barely sniff the spotlight on the PGA Tour. That place it, is unreal, man. It is. I mean, think of like Brian Harmon. I love Brian Harmon because he's not very big. He doesn't hit the ball very far. Think how good he has to be at like five foot six, and like I said, doesn't hit the ball far. How precise he has to be every single week just to stay on tour. And he's and this guy has multiple top ten finishes this year. She's. I mean, I think he won a tournament as well with that chip shot. I forget what tournament it was, but. Uh, I mean, Brian Harmon, you bring up Brian Harmon to even 10 different sports fans, maybe one person knows who he is, and that's being generous, you know, but that's my point. That's how difficult it is, you know? 
it's it's incredible. I think that the the, the competition is unreal. The stakes are through the roof. And again, I go back to the no teammates things. Every single shot is on you. And there's so much time in between shots. There's so much mental that goes into it. Um, it it's it's crazy. And then you can have bad bounces. I mean, that's a whole other thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the ball hitting the turf at the wrong spot. It's um it's truly a game. I think that it's it delivers great drama and great theater. I, I go back to the Masters, Sergio versus Justin Rose, the final five, six, seven holes. It was shot for shot. They were dart throwing. It was unbelievable. That it was, was like incredible. Bird theater, man. magic go one on one, wasn't it? Oh man, it was just so good. Well, that's a good place to start. So, with the 2017 major championships are in the books, the Masters yeah. was obviously fantastic. As you know, yeah. I mean, un- unless Charles Schwartzel is winning it, the, the Masters is always <laughs> fantastic. Um, but what, what were your thoughts on like 2017's majors? As a whole, I mean, did, did you think it was a, a good year for major championships? Yeah. Uh, did you have one or two that stood out as being better than the rest? What, what, what were your your thoughts on this year's uh, this year's majors? I just go back to the young guys. For for so long, I kept hearing, "Oh, if, without Tiger, no one cares." And I don't know if it's social media and all the different accounts that I follow, but I do see a growing trend of younger demographics all over golf. The no laying up guys, I know mm-hmm. everyone's all over them, but there's a whole crop of different podcasts that are out there, different groups that are out there that are that are just big golf fans. And I think it's really good for the game. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, those are great stories. Me personally, I love Jordan Spieth. He's my favorite golfer right now. But personally, mm-hmm. I was rooting for Sergio. I thought it was such a, a great story. Having the guy who was booed by Americans at every turn basically become the little darling after hitting the ball left and into a hazard. I think it was on 13. Um, the ball getting blown in on the on the eagle putt. It was it was it was unbelievable to see him get his first major the way he did, um, going down the way he did, and and. Going to a playoff and winning it that way, it was – then finally hitting a putt also to, to win the championship after he'd missed so many different putts at the other majors, whether it's Carnoustie or, or, or some of the – it's just – I thought that was the best story of the year. But Brooks Kepka was fantastic. I actually think that the U.S. Open it, – it, it's frustrating with the U.S. Open because I expect more. I live near the Olympic Club. You know, I like courses like Pebble Beach, the Olympic Club. We're going to get Shinnecock next year. I like those classic venues, legitimate U.S. Open, high rough, narrow fairways, you know, big firm greens, hard, um, big bunkers. I just not, I'm not seeing that from the U.S. Open. Chambers Bay and, well, I forget the place that they were at in Wisconsin was this year. Aaron Hills. Aaron Hills. I just, it didn't do it for me. Um, the weather was nice because it was windy one day and it was really bad, but. It was almost um, too nice. It, it was it, it, it almost almost too nice. The, the conditions were too scoring friendly for those guys out there. They were too good to play a golf course that soft. No doubt that Justin Thomas three hundred yard three wood back to back. I mean that's incredible. And then the ball backed up on the green. I've never seen anything like that. I've just never seen anything like that. That was that was remarkable. And then my I, I love the British Open. I'm a sucker for the British Open. I'm a sucker for the history of the game. I mm-hmm. don't. No, and I don't know as much as I always want. Like I'm always Googling different players, but the Open is is very special. And having Jordan go right near the near the Titleist truck to take the drop, hits one over, him and Kucher battling, that was epic. I mean, yeah. that was absolutely epic. For him to exonerate the ghosts of choking away the Masters a few years ago, I hate the word choke, but let's be honest, he dipped two in the drink. Yeah, I mean, man. he – he chunked him in there, and I, I, I was thinking to myself, is this guy going to be able to get past this? It was an epically really historic choke job. 
Yeah, it was. Um, and then and then this last one, the PGA uh, Championship, I mean, what more can you say about Justin Thomas? This guy's broke through this year. I think he has five victories on tour. I didn't know how good he was going to be. I knew him more from the from the weekend bros or whatever you want to call him, the mm-hmm. summer crew with Ricky and oh, Jordan yeah. <laughs> and him and Smiley Kaufman. The dudes that like to but play I, golf with their shirts off. Yeah, but I started following him on Snapchat, um, and uh, I got to say, man, I'm a big fan of Justin Thomas. I just think he gets it, and he's different than Jordan. Like they're, they're – I think people look at them, and they go, oh, it's two white guys with blonde hair, but they're very different golfers. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, I look at someone like Dustin Johnson and Jason Day, and I'm going like, what's going on here with these two big bombers uh, physically? Rory McIlroy I put in the same group. Like you see it in the NFL. Guys break down. Why are we seeing that in golf? Like why are these big gigantic dudes um, breaking down? And it's these extreme swings and the lifting and everything. And I'm worried and you're seeing the trend toward the more – the smaller, more uh, I guess athletic or um, guys that are a little more flexible as opposed yeah. to bulky. The I see that spelt. as a trend. Yeah. Spelt um, nimble athletes. And I feel bad for Rory, man. I want to know – Rory to me, like I think he brings – he brings cachet to the game. People know who – when you say Rory, you know exactly who I'm talking about. I think across the board. It's like not as high as Serena or Tiger or anything like that. But like you say Rory, I think people know who that is. And to, to have him really not be a contender on any Sunday all year um, and then basically backdoor 10, top 10 uh, every major, it's just mm-hmm. – I, I don't know what's going on with Rory. I think that's one of the biggest stories in the game as well as Jordan and all this. I think it was a great year though. A lot of great talking points this year. Where's Phil at? You know, where is Phil at? Is Tiger ever going to come back? Oh. You know, I, I I hate to bring him up. I love Tiger. I'm going to Tiger apologize. Dude, I, you're speaking to Tiger's number one fanboy. Although that might not be true because I'm sure a lot of people out there would pretend <laughs> they like Tiger more than I but do. Everyone but everyone like, loves him. He brought you into the game. Tiger. Yeah, 100%. Right? Man. You know, my dad's era was Fred Couples. My grandpa's era was Jack Nicholas. Um, before that was Arnie. Everybody has that guy that that looped them into the game. I don't know who it's going to be for this generation. Is it going to be Jordan, Justin, maybe the combination of them? Um, but for a time, it was Tiger. And there was a lot of Phil guys too, you know, mm-hmm. but Phil's still out there grinding. I, I look at Phil just like a first ballot Hall of Famer, you know, just riding 100%. the last four or five years of his major league career. Trying to trying to get one more, you know, taste of the taste of the championship, and it hurts me to not see him this week in the in the championship for the FedEx. Uh, I wanted to see him sniff that, you know, he's just a marquee name that people care about, and the way he treats people. If you watch the videos, like Scratch does all these videos, he just treats people that go to these events the right way, and mm-hmm. he he reminds me after we've done so much celebrating of Arnie's life, he reminds me of someone who's actually living what Arnie talked about. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, you bring up such a fascinating point because obviously I, I'm of the Tiger generation. Like you were just saying, you know, our, our, you know, our parents love Fred Couples, Nick Faldo. Their, you know, their mm-hmm. parents love Nicholas Palmer, and it, it's really got me thinking. You know, if you're nine, ten years old right now, which golfer on tour grabs your attention and says, "Watch me do amazing things"? And I want to say it's Spieth because he certainly has the game. Yeah, and he he's got the wins, he's got the game, but I fear that his golf swing isn't his golf swing is sexy enough. His it's golf swing is not sexy, sexy enough. enough, and he also yep. just doesn't have the swag, dude. Yeah. The swag yeah. is a completely necessary thing in order to have that. You know, the swagger is mandatory. And I'm thinking I'd be more inclined to say Justin Thomas has kind of got it just because his swing is so beautiful and so yeah. violent, man. I mean, a dude. And what I mean, he can't weigh more than a buck fifty-five. You know, he's like 5'10", 155, 160. 
and homeboy is hitting the driver 310 in the air like it doesn't even matter like i i'm, I'm more or less the same size as jt you know like a little yeah. under six feet like 150 160 dude if i pump my driver and don't <laughs> about, i've been playing golf for 20 years man if i pump my driver that thing's flying 245 in the air and i look around like i am the man exactly and I'm thinking, I'm like, dude this guy is flying it 65 yeah. yards by me what the fuck yeah. is he doing and yeah. I, I think if he notches at least a, a, another major or two I think he has got a serious claim uh, to be not only more popular than Jordan Spieth, but Jordan Spieth is going to have to start being worried that a lot of sponsor money is going to start leaving his pockets and making its way towards JT because he's got all the ingredients to be a big boy, man. I, I think you're on to something, but I guess w what I would counter with is I do a lot of coaching and I play um, a lot of golf over here at Harding Park. They have a little nine-hole course called Fleming. Fleming Nine. Absolutely. Yeah. And they have a first tee program. And there's a lot of kids that I know that I've coached in basketball and baseball that are all into golf. And one thing I'll tell you about the young kids is they don't necessarily have to pick just one. And and, and maybe I'm just kind of like sugarcoating the answer here. But I, I see a lot of Ricky influence. I see a lot of Rory influence. I mean Nike, Rory, like kids love Rory. There's a lot of Irish kids playing golf, man. A lot of Irish immigrants mm -hmm. Um, you see a lot of them. There is a ton of Japanese influence. I think Hideki Matsuyama, there's a lot of kids I see out there rocking the Strixon hats mm -hmm. because of Hideki, you know, and I love Hideki. That's a guy. I just, I, I think I, he could be a star. Yeah. I, think I love he could Hideki, be a star. man. Oh. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of different styles. I mean, I, I think that today's modern child, he doesn't have to pick one kid. I think he can, he can like four or five guys, but here's the thing. Ultimately, whoever wins the most um, or if two guys can win about the equal amounts, you can build up a rivalry. And then now we're talking about something like, you know, Jack and Gary player, for example, or whatever it is. But I, I just, I think there's going to be a lot of blends of all of them. And I, I hear you on the swag because the kids, part of what I see in the young ages uh, of golf is their bags are a reflection of who they are. Their outfits are a reflection of who they are. Am I wearing a flat bill? Am I wearing the, you know, the bent bill? Yep. Am I going to have flashy Puma shoes like Ricky or, or am I going to have the Nike outfit? I played with this kid. This was incredible. I played with this kid at Harding. This kid was 14 years old playing from the tips. Jesus. And I'm kid you not. This kid hit the ball in the cold air, 300 yards every single time. I, I, I'd never seen anything like it hit every fairway. This kid was 14 years old he was tiny tall, barely could speak english all he would talk about is rory mcelroy rory mcelroy rory mcelroy the kid was decked out in nike he had the same clubs these tailor-made clubs that rory had just switched to i i was blown away the kid came to the west coast just to compete in these tournaments so obviously the kid's a diehard golf fan and he's one of these kids who's probably going to be on the rise and we'll see him one day yeah. i mean he was phenomenal but my point being is internationally there's just so many guys to root for and because of social media you can follow them all now they mm -hmm. don't have to be choosing just one guy and i think the sponsorship too is the other thing where under armor like you don't see kids in all Nike. They'll wear Under Armour this and Nike that. You can wear everything nowadays. I don't think there's brand allegiance like there used to be for maybe our generation. Yeah, man. You're making me realize that I might have professional golfer Stockholm Syndrome because I grew up in the age of just if you, you like Tiger or you like everybody else. You had to choose a side. Like if you were a Tiger guy, like you could like Phil, you could like other guys, but you were a Tiger guy. Where Yeah, you couldn't be a David Duvall guy. I would like to meet the David Duvall people out I there. Not, no, Duvall. not that I, I don't I dislike David, but it's like, you know, obviously his open championship win was fantastic. I, yeah. I enjoyed him winning, but I mean, dude, there, there was just nothing like watching Tiger in peak oh, form, man. And and I wonder if 
if today's golfers are going to get that same experience, because you know what, it, getting back to your buddy that you were, you know, the, the young man you were playing with at Harding Park, yeah. it yeah. should be Rory, man. I, I, as yeah, I violent agree. and great as JT's swing is, Rory is the one. He is supposed to be the next Tiger, dude. His swing is better. It's more powerful. It's more polished. There is no reason for him not to be the man, and he just can't help himself and keeps wanting to have high-profile divorces and distracting himself from his golf game. I, <laughs> well, I, I, I th- just don't get I, it. I think it was, if you look at his year, like, I'm a big on the equipment. I don't know about you. I don't know if you follow big the time. equipment thing, but yeah, I like I like to follow all this stuff, and he just switched around with like 14, 15 different putters this year. I mean, serious to he God. Putt. He fucking sucks I, at putting, so he's just, he's just I, trying to find an answer. And, he, and then he went cross grip, you know, he, to me, it was like somebody searching almost like you're in a hitting slump or a guy at a free throw slump and you're changing your, just, I don't understand it. The guy basically played with an answer style, an answer style putter forever. I think it was like a Nike method or whatever it was called. He for the longest time. majors with that kind of putter too. I, I yeah. Or Scotty Cameron. Sense. I think it's a Scotty Cameron Newport, uh-huh. whatever you want to call it. Right. The prototype 009. But, um, and then he goes, he switches irons. He goes, you know, Nike says they're going to get out of clubs. He goes to the TaylorMades. I think he was with Callaway for a couple weeks at one point where he had Callaway back. Yeah, just a very, very brief little fling with Callaway. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's with with TaylorMade, and then TaylorMade gets sold. Um, He gets married. He had the rib injury. There's – the thing is, is I want to love him. I do. I want to love him. I'm in the same boat, man. My nieces really love Rory because, again, the Irish descent and all that stuff. Um, and, and, and everybody that I've heard from everybody from people at Harding that work there to my mom's club at Lake Merced, people that have been around Rory in, in different settings say that behind the scenes, the dude is a good dude, a really, really, really good dude. Like Lydia Ko, I heard the same thing about Lydia Ko and, um, and that's, it makes you want to root for those kind of guys. You know what I mean? Like when you hear that kind of stuff, it makes it more amicable, but I feel like he is a little contentious with the media, um, where he's almost too real and, uh, almost like Aaron Rodgers, like aloofly confident. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that he gets critiqued even more because of it. Whereas the happy go lucky Jordan Spieth, at least on the outside, even though we all know he can be, you know, red face. Um, (laughs) he, he kind of gets a pass. And again, I love Jordan Spieth, but he does kind of get a pass from the scrutiny that Rory gets. Yeah, I mean, I think Larry David said it best. I mean, Jordan Speed is great, but he's going to have a little bit of trouble connecting with the youth because homeboy is balding, and he's oh, balding. And, I mean, I just feel bad for anybody so bad. who's 23 and is just has no chance by the time they turn 30. I mean, yeah. it's, it's out of his control, but I, yeah. I just worry that the, <laughs> the absence of follicle greatness on, on Jordan Speed uh, could be troublesome down the road in his attempt to connect with the younger generation of fans. That guy, you know, he reminds me of though, and we're going to cross sport analogies. Yeah, he's got like, you know, Steph Curry, he has unlimited range and he's changed how we look at scoring mm-hmm. from beyond the arc. 100%. That's the same way I look at Jordan Speed with the putter. It's, it's unbelievable. The putts he sinks. I, 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 you could try these putts 500 different times, and I don't understand how on the first try this guy nails 47 footers. Dude. I almost he wills them in. It's it's un, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. It's I, Joe. I would like to compliment you on perhaps the most fantastic analogy that has ever been made on the Golf Guide podcast. <laughs> Steph Curry's three point range and J- Jordan Spieth's putting are almost mirror images of one another. If it weren't for being completely different sports. It's it's unbelievable though. Like when you like any shot Steph takes, you almost expect it to go in, right? Yeah. And then like there's no bad shot. I almost look like same thing with Jordan Spieth. Where I'm like every putt, every little chip shot, every bunker. I I assume he's holding out. 
Like, I, I, it's unbelievable, man. He's just he's he's changed the game. Whereas Jordan, I know uh, Justin Thomas. I mean, he throws darts in there, and yes, he definitely can putt. There's no question about it. But there is something about 25 and out. Jordan Smith is. It feels like he's automatic, especially on Sunday. If I have to put any, anybody alive right now to hit a seven iron to save my life, Jordan Smith is my guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, no, nobody is better with an iron from a you know, like you said, from 40 yards to 200 yards. He is the best in the world right now, and, yeah, I, and yeah. that that's what keeps him in this thing. And you know, but I shouldn't say that. It's that fucking putter, dude. The, the fact yeah. that anywhere from 200 yards in. It, you just can never count the guy out, and I, I mean that's kind of what Tiger was because I mean, yes. Tiger Tiger missed a lot of fairways. I mean Tiger, you know, we always think of Tiger bombing the ball, but Tiger missed a ton of fairways, and it was his clutch gene combined with the fact that from inside two hundred yards, the dude was absolute dinero. And yeah, it's basically similar but a less violent version that doesn't hit yeah. quite as long off the tee. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's funny, Matt. That's the one thing that I've really like. Die when you watch Die Hard style, you notice there are many different ways guys get it in the hole, and it's incredible to see it. And I, I feel like his short game is phenomenal. There's no question about it. Jordan Spieth, his iron striking is is great. But again, like you said, he doesn't hit a lot of fairways. He he is erratic left and right with the driver. Mm-hmm. He's he's not the longest, but yet the guy finds a way to get it in the hole. And then conversely, Dustin Johnson is just I'm gonna hit it. 350 yards past everybody, and I'm going to wedge this in there, and it's 50-50 whether I'm going to make it with the putter, even if it's inside two feet. You know what I mean? And It's very it's, scientific. It's, it's, it's unbelievable all the different ways. Going back to Tiger, though, he hit so many amazing recovery shots. I, it's incredible. We I see the vines and the videos now, but it is incredible. Some of these balls that he hits, he pushes into other fairways, and he cuts four, five, six irons up and over these trees, dead center green to like six, seven, eight feet. It's it's unbelievable some of the recovery shots he hits. And, I, and, and comparing him to Jordan, look at the recovery shot he hit in the open. I mm-hmm. mean – Getting that bogey was—he might as well one have of the best bogeys there. I've ever seen, man. Exactly. It was—it was like Sergio's bogey, um, or excuse me, it's like Sergio's par when he went left on the par five on thirteen at the Masters. Sometimes, willing the ball in, it's just—it's incredible. He's—I I personally think he is the best golfer right now, um, and that's a loose term, but I—I I, I really do. If, if the money's on the on the line. It's Jordan, and then you got Justin Thomas right next to him. Yeah, you really do. One hundred percent, man. Well, but before I forget to mention this, I I would be remorse if I didn't at least bring this one up because when you were talking about how Sergio uh, and his win at Augusta was probably your favorite golfing moment of the year, because you are such a connoisseur of all things sports, uh, I'm going to bring this back with another analogy for you because I have to admit, while I loved that Sergio winning the Masters. Uh, I love that whole tournament. The outcome was, you know, great for viewers yeah. and everything like that. I have to admit that deep down, I was devastated that Sergio won the Masters. Not because I wanted, George, you know, Justin Rose to win, mm-hmm. but because Sergio, he was the Chicago Cubs of golf. Every sport needs a loser, somebody that you can just point your finger at and laugh, who's really fantastic, and it is just always there to just eventually lose you know they're the the washington senators right (laughs) but maybe matt kuchar is that guy right now oh but see kuch is too likable like there has to be a trace there has to be a trace of nastiness that allows 
justifies your your dislike I, of the person. And when I Sergio like won, Wonder- we lost our best loser. No, that's a good point. But I looked at him more like John Elway, right? Where mm-hmm. John Elway was one of the most talented guys in the NFL and just could never get over the hump. Just could not get over the hump. And then finally, um, in his last two seasons, he wins the Super Bowl. And that's that's the way I looked at Sergio, someone who's extremely talented, just for whatever reason, couldn't ever close one up and, and and get the big one. And then late in his career, he found a way to get it done. Peyton Manning, I know he had that one Super Bowl early on, but he lost a lot in the playoffs too. And he was one of the more extremely talented people. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to use different sporting events. Yeah. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was a arguably one of the greatest baseball players who ever lived. Greatest people guy I've ever seen play. Yeah, and um, he never got a World Series ring. So seeing it with Tony Gwynn, it, it does happen. I hear you. I feel like for the older crowd, though, um, and I think guys older than my than my dad or maybe even like my grandpa likes him, but I could see a lot of older people. Ricky Fowler, mm-hmm. you know, here's a guy that he's he he he's not flamboyant. If you follow him and stuff, I, I get where people say he's flamboyant by the outfits. Yeah, the, the clothing arrogant. does most of the talking. It seems like exactly, but he's a great guy. It seems, and, he, and I I follow him. He's another guy I follow on Twitter and, and on Snapchat. He's doing great things. I mean, he's all about golf. He treats people the right way. By all accounts, he's a great dude. And he's playing really good golf, and he just can't seem to put it all together for four days during a major. I agree, And man. it was a, a few years ago for well, – I think he was top five in all four majors. And it's just like, oh, I'm pulling for him. He's one of my bro- – my brother loves Ricky. He's always been a Ricky guy, absolutely loves him. And and I, I pull for Ricky, but I feel like he, I don't know if he'll ever get his, Dude, especially he, with the rise of these guys like John Rahm. And there's just so many guys, Patrick Cantley. I mean, you just name so many, so many random guys. It's going to be hard for him to win one. Yeah, dude, me and your brother could be, you know, we are proud members of the Fowler fraternity, dude. Like I, I would <laughs> love, absolutely love to see Ricky win. I mean, that's the thing is like I actually enjoy watching Ricky play more so than Spieth. Uh, mm-hmm. Or JT, and, and not because he's necessarily better. I mean, the other guys obviously, hey, you know, the, the results show that you know that they're better golfers. Um, yeah. But I mean, Ricky's swing. What I love is that it doesn't look perfect. There, there's a little yeah. hitch. There's a little funk to Ricky's yeah. swing, and it's a little bit more relatable because I mean, let's be honest. All of us weekend warriors who love yes. to get out and try to play golf once or twice a week, our swings look like shit for the most part. I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, nobody yeah. has an absolutely beautiful looking golf swing no. who doesn't get a chance to play four or five plus days a week. And right. Ricky having a little bit of funk. He's just always got a smile. He's always got a great attitude. And, it, you know, if there is such a thing as karma, uh, I mean, R- Ricky's got to win one here, you know, relatively soon, man. I, yeah, I, I, I hope. And he, one of the things about Ricky that's appealing to me and my brother is that we had heard that he never grew up on a country course or, uh, you know, playing at a country club, excuse me. And he was a muni guy, and that's how we grew up playing, and that's how I still play. Is I'm a muni, I call it, I play the muni circuit. You know, I'm playing in the 100%. peninsula of San Francisco, up in the North Bay, the East Bay. I play the Bay Area muni circuit. I play all the different munis. Um, I have a great time doing it. Do I wish I was part of a club? For sure, but that's just not how I, I don't have the money, and I, <laughs> that wasn't how I was raised. So, there's something appealing to him about that, about Ricky, because he was hitting golf balls off a mat, you know, somewhere in San Diego. Um, and he's just like I said, he's 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 someone that I've always felt um, is himself and he's very comfortable being himself. And I do love that he really pushed forward the fashion on tour and, and being flashy. And you know what? For all the critiques and the flack people give him. The dude's still a top thirty golfer in the world right now. I mean, it, right? He made the cut for the for the mm-hmm. FedEx playoffs. So, I, you know how hard that is. He's in like the top. 
half of a half of a percentile in the world of golfers. I mean, it's difficult for me to bash him because there's so many positives to like about the guy. Yeah, I know. I totally agree, man. Ricky, Ricky is the man. Ricky, if you're listening, I know you're not. <laughs> if you're listening, we are pulling for you at the champion at the yeah. tour championship this weekend, man. I Holy am. cow! I, 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 yeah. Before before we judge, jump off the. Uh, the PGA Tour talk yeah. here. What do you have any thoughts on this weekend's Tour Championship? I mean, as this thing, as we go into this thing, I mean, I guess the way it's been explained to me, and again, the FedEx two, you know, Cup playoffs are fucking confusing, man. I, I can't. Yeah. I cannot wrap yeah. my head. I, I had uh, Chris Durr, uh, the, the host of the No Gimme's podcast, on last week, who's also the assistant golf pro at the Presidio, and he he spent like a good thirty minutes trying to you know trying to hash out what the solution is to these FedEx Cup playoffs what to actually make them worth watching. He said, and again, he he's a huge Hideki fan, but his problem is that it's not a playoffs in the per se that if you play like shit, you go home. I mean, if if you if you've worked your way up enough, you know, you can bomb, miss cuts, and you still go on to play in the next tournament. Where he says there's no, you know, win or go home type aspect. A bracket, exactly. I mean, I, I don't know whether because with a bracket, it means you may have to play like match play or you know. But why not see play. match play? It's something different. Make it makes the FedEx unique, I would think, because all your other majors are stroke play events. So wouldn't you? I mean, personally, I don't know about you, but when Jordan and Dustin were going against each other, I, even though I know it wasn't technically match play, but it was the you know the the, the final two holes and then the the playoff hole, that was compelling. That was really compelling to me, and one of the things that's appealing to about Ryder Cup is that match play style format. So I, I don't know why you wouldn't want to have 16 and 16 in a bracket, and everything you're playing for all year gets you seeding, and maybe you get a first round buy, or you know. But I think one of the things about golf that is the most important it's the venue, the venue, the venue. I, I there's a reason the Masters has cachet because of the venue there's a reason the opens all have cachet because of the the rot the rotary or the rotation whatever they call it yeah. um of the venues and that's one of the things that's frustrating me about the u.s open is I, i'm not feeling the different courses that they've had lately i cannot wait for pebble beach i think in uh, two years 2019 yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah can't wait for that and i'm ready for them to come back to the olympic club you know but it's it, I, I feel like you need to go there's only a handful of wrigley's if you will of mm -hmm. golf throughout the country you got to go to them every year like you got to go to them every year like there's there's just something about those courses that um that people remember them especially when there's so many different players on the board and no one has specific allegiances they'll at least be aware and have an, a clue of what the venue is like if you say olympic club you know countrywide people know what that is you say shinnecock people know what that is um there's there's you know what i'm saying like bay hill everyone knows where bay hill is everyone knows augusta pebble beach cypress point you know whatever it is they're very specific courses that people know exactly right away when you say that they know what style of play is going to be necessary to win a championship there so it's um to me the venue is so important and if you're not going to have the venue then maybe you need to switch it up and do something different i think that the point system throughout the year is so confusing why should i care in february how many points you got because you played in october and november at the safeway open you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. and i like the safeway open yeah. but you know what i mean like i know exactly on, what you mean man. It's, it's, no, it's my point is it doesn't crescendo to anything, you know, and so yeah. that's why. And I understand that the money is always going to be a lure. I like that. I, I do. I like that they put a lot of money in the middle and make these guys go for it because obviously they're gambling throughout the week amongst each other. They love to gamble and they love to put something on it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know how you switch it up, but I, you know what? One thing that I think we should see is 
their version right before the playoffs or even the championship week, their version of a skills competition. You know, mm. like all the other sports do it. There's a home run derby, for example. And I know they do the long drive and they have the par three contest um, for the Masters. I don't know about you, but I'm a sucker. I watch those things. You know, like I actually watch the chip putting and drive competitions and I don't know. I'm just I'm so deprived of seeing these guys. I want to see excellence, you know, and I want to see the best in the world from 150 out. Try to stick it in. Or maybe you have a three club competition just for something fun and different. Like That's why I'm really digging the European tour, trying different things. Not every event needs to be the exact same way stroke play. You know, I, that, I, that's I, all. Yeah, I could not agree more, man. And that's the thing. is like some of the people that listen to this podcast somewhat regularly, they might be like, dude, please come up with an original thought. But this is something I, I swear I, I, I cannot uh, endorse enough. And that is like, you know, obviously 72-hole stroke play is so widely used, you know, across the world in professional yeah. tournaments because, it, you know, a lot of people would argue, and I think they're right, and that it is the clearest indicator yes. of skill uh, when you're trying to determine who is the best golfer for a four-day period of time. 72-hole stroke play does accomplish that. But from a viewer standpoint, God damn it gets stale, man. And that, yeah, it, it does. It, 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 something needs to happen where they switch things up. I mean, shit, the only stale for tournament on the entire PGA Tour schedule is, isn't it where it's the... the Reno? The I think it's Reno. Yeah, it's in Reno. It's the Barracuda Championship. But isn't yeah. it going on the same weekend as the Open Championship where nobody yeah. gives a shit? Like, it... it, it clueless I mean, it doesn't make any sense they, they need a big time tournament where the top dogs are playing in a stable for an event we need more than one match play event per year i mean i think i may have even said this to uh to to my guests last week these fedex cup playoffs man how awesome would it be if they just had a like a championship where all of a sudden these guys got put into like a 32 man bracket it, right? I, i've been saying that forever the oh. gambling aspect alone would be humongous oh dude I mean, and, and America loves a bracket. We oh, love fantasy. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and that's the thing. It doesn't even have to necessarily be match play. I mean, what if like you get like a 64-guy bracket? So instead of this last tournament at Conway Farms that they did where they narrowed the field down to 30 for the Tour Championship, yeah. Yeah. let's say at that tournament they had 64 guys, right? And they have a bracket, a 64-man bracket where, you know, hey, maybe instead of match play, Hey, why not head-to-head eighteen-hole stroke play? I don't know about Perfect. you. I don't know about yes. you, man. One of my fondest golf memories is watching Rocco and Tiger and on Monday, on Monday yes. going head-to-head eighteen-hole stroke play. Dude, it's amazing. It's the best. It's, it's fantastic theater, and the fact that the yeah. PGA Tour hasn't just looked at that just overly obvious example and been like, "Huh, that was fucking awesome. Maybe we should try well, to re- recreate that at some point." It, it, it baffles me, dude. I agree with you. There was the what was the one in Houston this year? It was the WGC match play um, in Houston, and it yeah, was the, the final. Club. The final group was, or the final John two, Rom, John Rom versus Johnson, Dustin right? Johnson. Uh-huh. It was one of the best events of the year. Yeah, I mean, it was like the exact same guys going at it against each other. It was phenomenal, and to me, it's all about those matchups. That's one thing that makes the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA. You know, we love to talk about the matchups, and that gives talking points for the sport. Um, one of the things I keep going back to, I, I agree with you, more match play, but they do need to do some sort of skills competition. And this is one of my crazy out-of-the-hat ideas. And again, this is more for fun. I love crazy like see- out-of-the-hat ideas. Joe, hit, hit me with it. Okay, I'd like to see the equipment companies, okay, mm-hmm. say, hey, we're going to do, like I said, a three or four club. I like three because it's a great number. Three club, little tournament, 18 hole or even nine hole, whatever it is, you do different styles, okay? And you're allowed three different clubs. That's it. That's all you get. And, you know, you have Team TaylorMade versus Team Ping and Team Callaway or whatever it is. 
And, you know, I would just love to see, you know, what's Rom going to use? What's Jordan Spieth going to use? You know he's going to use his, his putter. Mm-hmm. And you know <laughs> you know he's going to want a wedge. You know what I mean? Whereas Dustin Johnson's all he needs is a, a driver and a wedge or, or like a two iron or mm-hmm. something like that. You know, so – to me, that would make it really fun. There's so many different talking points. What are the equipment that they're using? And then you have the equipment companies because they're already spending unreal amounts of advertisement dollars. Callaway is sponsoring everything, it seems. Yeah. TaylorMade is sponsoring everything. You know, even PXG, you see they're just slamming it down your throat. Titleist, I was watching my Michael Breed or whatever the guy's name who does the, the golf fix-it show. Mm-hmm. He's pumping these new AP2 and AP1 irons. You know these companies want this exposure. You know – that the consumer wants to see this stuff do be don't be afraid to do different things is what i'm getting at don't be afraid to do these things and one other thing i'd like to see is maybe you do a couple more events of play with a, a champion you know where you have a pool and you have a draft your top 16 guys and then your top 16 legends you mm-hmm. know what i mean from oh. either the tour champions or you know you even have like a jack or a gary player i'm sorry i still love to watch jack and gary player swing them do i want to see him in Every week, no, no, I don't want to see him every week. I want to see him one day, though, a year, paired up with somebody else in some sort of a fun little tournament. Like, get creative. Utilize the 25, 30 stars you do have that are marketable. Pay them the money. Get the advertisement dollars. You know it's out there. The only thing that people aren't cord cutting is live sporting events. That's what people are paying for, live sporting events. The money is there. I want to see the PGA Tour just get a little younger. Just get a little younger with your ideas. The coverage. I watch the European Tour on Golf Channel all the time. Their coverage is just better. It's just better. It's more fun. It's not stale. I, I don't know what it is. I, 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 that's why I was really refreshed to see how Fox was doing the presentations for the U.S. Open. Everybody bashes Fox. I at least it's something different. I, I really like it. I mm-hmm. love the track man. I love the shot tracer, all that stuff. Show me all that stuff. I want to see the, the the trajectory of where these guys are hitting and where they're landing. Like I'm a golf nerd. I want to see all this stuff. It only enhances the viewing experience for everyone. I mean, I, I want to see those things. I, dude, I cannot agree more. That, that's the thing. It's like dude, with Fox, I mean, the, the agreement they made with the USGA, because they, they basically get to cover every USGA yeah. event now. Yep. I, I, okay, you know, I dislike Fox for the same reasons as a lot of other people, you know, mainly because, you know, Mr. Hairplug himself, Joe Buck, has to sit up there <laughs> and, 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 you know, basically just bastardize, you know, the entire sporting Brad experience. Faction. But, you know, the thing is, their camera work is fantastic. They're used to the is. track man. You yep. know, they, they bring it. Mean, they're the first network I've seen to actually bring on a really successful, knowledgeable golf course architect to talk about strategy and how yeah. the course is. I mean, there's a lot of aspects to the Fox broadcast that is really working. Once they just kick Joe Buck out of the fucking booth, they are going to be. <laughs> you great, know what they need? Man. They need Mike Tirico. I've been saying Dude. it forever. Mike Tirico is the best. I love him on golf. I, when ESPN had him in the Masters, I absolutely love Mike Tirico. I think he is the best. I, I There's nothing wrong with Nance. I love Nance, and I'm a diehard Johnny Miller fan because he's a San Francisco boy. Love Johnny Miller. I know everybody loves to bash him, but. Give me more Mike Tirico. I he could just, not agree more. When I, he's there, it feels special. Dude, Mike Tirico, I mean, ESPN letting Mike Tirico go is probably going to be one of the more under-the-radar catastrophes in Awful. sports broadcasting for, like, you know, the last, like, decade. But Mike Tirico is the man. He is fantastic on golf course broadcasts. If I could get more Mike Tirico in my golfing life, everybody would be better off. And, by the oh. way, b- before I get too distracted, your ideas of, like, a three-club tournament and these are things... Can I just say something? This is a this is a public service announcement to PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan. 
the butcher boy is coming for you. <laughs> God damn it. Like, why, why, why is it that these guys, you know, Tim Fincham ran the PGA Tour for, I mean, shit, dude, from like 94 until like earlier this year. Yeah. And, you know, obviously Jay Monahan's coming now. Like, why don't we see these more of these alternative, uh, you know, tournament ideas? The three club championship is an excellent idea. More we- match play is an excellent idea. I've been aching, and I mean, aching for a hickory championship i want yeah, to see these that guys would be cool. that would throw be cool. it back in time my I, I guess do you have any idea why you think something like that has uh, some people tell me that these guys are so dialed in with the equipment that they use that to try to in you know introduce a new but you just do it for one day you do it for one day Dude, so these like, guys are the, the best thing. in the world they, they're, yeah. they're, it's they're fine I agree. Like I watch all these old videos of Seve. Like I'm really like I went down the rabbit hole on on Seve. The Seve rabbit hole is a real was, thing, man. Uh, he, he's chipping out of bunkers with three irons. Like I, that's the shit I want to see. Excuse me for swearing, but Dude, that's the stuff I want to see as a golf fan. Like that's the one thing. My biggest critique when I'm watching golf, okay, it, show more golf. Number one, mm-hmm. and tell me what clubs these guys are hitting. Like I, it should be mandatory. That they're telling us what club this guy is hitting on any particular shot. And, and and get the GoPros on the caddies. What are we doing? I want more caddy interaction. I want to hear what they're saying. There was a couple times when Greller and um, Jordan Spieth were talking. It's like I need more of that. I need all of that. I need to hear all that stuff. And I've been saying it forever. You should be able – like. Whenever I'm watching these big things, okay, they're stuck. And I like Mark Leishman. I love watching him play. But let's mm-hmm. say, for example, they're stuck on Mark Leishman and someone's charging up the, the boards. I should be able to just click a button on whatever website or streaming app you have. I want to see the Phil Mickelson group just because I have Phil in my whatever fantasy league for that weekend. Yep. That's You should be able to see all that stuff. I need to see more golf. I need different viewers. Think of how college football will have the same game. On four different channels, they'll have the coaches breaking it down. You know what I mean? Then they'll have random celebrities break it down. No, that's extreme. But I think the point being is give me all the content you possibly can and make it diverse where it's like a buffet and I can pick and choose how I want to get my golf presented to me. It's 2017, man. I should be allowed to choose. The, the, the networks are not allowed to choose what I watch anymore. I, we're, we're living in the future, man. I, I could not agree more. Um, and, and yeah, gol- golf is a little behind the times uh, in terms of you know uh, viewer engagement. Yeah, um, yeah it, I know it, it would be great, man. And uh, well, look at the, look oh. at the, the one thing that frustrates me, and I know the NFL has um, the Super Bowl rotates between Fox and NBC and CBS. I, mm-hmm. I get that, but one of the confusing things is you know, what channel is each major on? Most most random fans of sports they don't know. They don't know, and now it's harder than ever to find these channels because there's so many of them. It's, I know you brought up oh, all the USGA stuff is on Fox. Yeah, Fox or FS1. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's a good point. you know, you know what I'm saying. So it's like it's really difficult. And then sometimes stuff was on TNT. I seen stuff on TBS. You know, it's all over the place. Um, so. <laughs> Hey man, the, the, I, I, I hear what you're saying, brother. I, I'm the editor of a golf magazine. I host a golf podcast, and like I, I can't remember what podcast it might have been a couple like you know a couple months yeah. ago. But I like I was like yeah, and then you know, make sure to catch like the PGA Championship on, and then I just drew a blank, and I was like yeah. If any of you're listening, let me know because yeah. you know, I'm connected. Like I work in the sport, <laughs> and I don't fucking know what channel mm-hmm. to watch. And luckily, I have this great you know 
uh, you know, what do my viewers like to hit me up on Twitter? Like, it's uh, TNT, bro, or it's NBC. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, thank Ernie you. John, <laughs> Ernie yeah. Johnson, where he should be calling golf. Ernie's good at golf. I mean, he's no, he's, I know, but it's just random, right? Like, I random. always think of Ernie as like basketball. I mean, Ernie is supposed to be there brokering the peace between Shaq and Chuck. I mean, it, it, <laughs> to, to see him, to see him out there on the golf course is is just it's a little odd, even though he's good at it. Yeah, 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 dude, you're you're hilarious, man. Oh, I love that. Dude, that is great. All right, well, Joe, hey, so I, I'm going to change, uh, you know, change the subject here a little bit. Yeah. You mentioned that you were a a big uh, equipment guy, and yeah. uh, some news went down this week that I, I I'm curious about your opinion on. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure you're familiar that uh, Bob Parsons and the mm-hmm. Parsons Extreme Golf Group sued TaylorMade this week, or it mm-hmm. might have been last week, um, mm-hmm. over. I guess TaylorMade, you know, copying a lot of their technology with the foam fill that they have on those new uh, 790 irons. Oh, as a guy who, in, you know, enjoys following the equipment aspect of golf, which, trust me, man, is a big, big part of the game. I, I don't need to tell you that, and you know, oh, most people listening don't even huge. know. But what what is your, th- uh, you know, your initial thoughts on PXG and the whole thing of them coming after TaylorMade? Well, PXG, it's it's very interesting to me. I, I find them to be fascinating. I don't know where I stand on them. Like, oh. I still haven't made a decision. I don't I know if I don't. I don't know if I don't. I don't know if I like them. I don't know if I don't like them. I'm just. I'm not sure where I stand on them. Um, I I wasn't in the Marines or the or the military, but one of my buddies, Kevin, was, and he loves the fact that all of the different irons and the drivers and fairways are to these different military codes. I mean, I get why that would be cool for him, and you know, I I get all that. But let me look at the practical aspect. Number one, I can't even hit your club in a golf club, like any golf store. I go to Golf Mart. I go to the PGA Tour store. There are no PXG anywhere, like right out the gate. And I know that I've seen – I've heard Tony Kornheiser, for example, on his podcast talk about how he's playing PXGs. I think Steph Curry has PXGs. I wouldn't Um, be surprised. Steph Curry's the only guy that can fucking afford to play PXGs. Yeah, well, that's the other part is like it's extremely expensive. And really I heard that the guy had only basically paid for all the engineers that were over at Ping. Now, who knows? Who knows where we're at on this one? I feel like everybody is stealing everybody's technology already to begin with. All right. There are only so much you can do to protect your patent. Um, there's a lot of different irons out there. In fact, I think there's way too many. Number one, I, 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 I do love the customization. I do love the customization. Um, and it's, it's incredible. To me, it's incredible how PXG really basically inserted themselves in almost like an Amazon where it's like they were going to come in with money. They were going to buy themselves up some players. They were going to basically feed all these celebrities, all of their equipment. Um, and again, I don't even know. Like, again, no one I know has PXG clubs. I've never held one. Have you held one? Uh, I have held It's funny because every single time I go to, like, say, a golf mart or a Roger yeah. Dunn golf shop, they obviously don't carry PXG because most of the guys that go in there to buy equipment aren't making seven figures. You know, like, yeah. there's, there's only a certain amount of people that can afford to go drop $5,000 on yeah. a set of irons, man. But oddly enough, the one place that I have held a PXG, now granted, they wouldn't let me hit a golf ball with it, was, <laughs> um, it, it, it's actually at Mariner's Point, like over in Foster City. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I love that little they, 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 they have, yeah, dude, they, golf. Yeah, exactly. They have like a little golf shop that's on the side of like the pro shop for like the little pitch and putt that's yeah. like a super high-end golf play, and I, that is the only place really? I've ever been able to hold a PXG club in my hand. And when I did, I looked down at it. I mean, the look at a dress is fantastic. They look great. They look a little bit like those ping blade irons. Um, eye blades? Yeah, the eye blades. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, it's like, all right, well, is this going to let me hit the ball five times better 
than you know one of the top end thousand dollar sets of irons. Eh, probably not. Yeah, yeah. It's I. It's weird. The 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 club thing, man. Uh, what's we're all looking for that secret aroma, right? We're all looking for that 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 missing ingredient, that unicorn. I call it like that that specific wedge that we hit well, or that three iron, that two iron, that fairway wood, that driver, whatever it is, you know. And I feel like they've tapped into that mystery, you know, where like people are like if you get this club, like all of a sudden you'll start hitting it better. There's no question. Getting fitted, it totally helps you. And 100%. as your swing improves, as your swing improves, the irons you use are gonna they're gonna have to change. You know, I'm very big on the equipment matching your swing, how you address the ball. There's only so much it can do. There's no question on that. But being fitted into the right equipment will make you play at your most optimal. No matter how bad your swing is, you know what I'm saying? You'll be more consistent with the right set of clubs. Now, you'll still have an inconsistent swing, but it'll be better than you hitting blades, for example. But with it, when it comes to the, the these two companies suing each other, I just don't care. I don't care. I don't <laughs> think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to win, and I don't care. The thing that I find more fascinating, I, I guess this is where I would go with PXG is Zach Johnson, Lydia mm-hmm. Ko, all the different guys. The only guy I know that's playing really good in those, what is it? Um is it not JB Holmes? It's uh, there's a white guy, a little short white guy with with a, with a he, the white guy with a hat. Darn it, yeah, I've really narrowed it a down. White guy with a hat, man. Yeah, no, but Kevin Na, I know he was using yep, him, right? Kenny was Na. Kevin, Kevin uh, Na. Let's see, but Zach Billy Johnson Horschel fell off. Was using him. Billy Horschel. So Billy Horschel, you know, he's had a rough year, and he's been spouting off on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, Lydia Ko was on the top of the world last year when she was using her Callaways. Switched to the PXG. She had a rough year. Yeah. She had a really rough year. What was the Lydia Co moment this year? Shit, her that, firing that is, her caddy? Yeah. I mean, honestly, that is the first thing that came to my mind. You, yeah, you read me like a fucking children's book, man. I, I yeah. think, yeah, it, it is kind of crazy. Now that you mentioned it, I don't see a lot of what they call the PXG troops yeah. up on top of the podium. Well, and you would expect, look, I get it, their roster's small, but you would expect somebody to win something, you know? And I, I always look at Golf Works, you know, WITB, what's in the bags, all mm-hmm. these different things. And uh, again, I just don't see people playing, like, for example, you'll see a Tour Edge 3 Wood out there every now and then. Dude, you'll see uh, Adam Solid. Uh, don't, I'll, I'll get in. I love Tour Edge. <laughs> I, got a, I got a 4 Wood. I don't bag a 3 Wood. I got a 4 Wood. But, um, like, you'll see different wedges. Like, I like to see what people are using. I don't see anyone who's not fully endorsed by PXG going out of their way to use their wedges, to use their irons, to use their putters. So that to me kind of tells me that like, it's almost like the Volvic ball. I got to get paid to switch to your line. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, I mean, dude, <laughs> I'm a nerd for the equipment. Sorry, dude. Uh, no, no, no. I'm totally with you, man. Cause it's funny. Cause now that I think about it, obviously, you know, I haven't seen anybody playing PXG winning golf tournaments anytime recently. Have and, you seen anyone at your club or I mean like any golf so, courses you play at? Yeah, man. So here, here's the, the the thing I was going to say is I, I'm like you, man. I, I was raised on a muni. Like I've never, yeah. I've never been a member at a private course like you. I'm sh- I would love to. It would be awesome. For, for me, the biggest, you know, the biggest selling point on a private club is the fact that I could go out and play 18 holes yes. in under four yes. hours. It's not even the fact that it's exclusive. I actually, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure, I like, enjoy the camaraderie yeah, and the like, randomness. Exactly. Like I, I don't, I, I don't like the exclusivity of private clubs in America. In fact, I think the fact that a lot of the best golf clubs in the country aren't available for the most passionate golfers to play is kind of a crime. Um, it is. It, it is, man. And but the thing is, it's the hoity-toity, super expensive golf clubs. Yeah. The guys that have handicaps of ten or above, 
that's where you're going to find people playing PXGs. I caddied like my whole, like all of high school in those first two summers that I was uh, home from college, I caddied at a club uh, up in Santa Rosa, a, a private club, you know, expensive to join called Mayakama. And okay. never heard of it. it so my, it's a Jack Nicholas design. It's the only golf club uh, that Jack Nicholas has designed to my knowledge that is ranked in the top 100 in the U.S. outside of Muirfield, you know, his, his original, wow. you know, it, it, wow. it, it is an incredible golf course. It's an immaculate shape. When I used to caddy there, it was a quarter million to join plus a couple grand a month in wow. dues. I mean, it, it is wow. a, a new, a, granted, it's not an old money club like San Francisco Golf Club or Olympic. Yeah. It, it's very much a new money type of club. Yeah. But that's how my mom's club, my mom is a secretary at a club. Mm -hmm. So she runs all the books for Lake Merced. Okay. And there they've got a lot of old Jewish money and a lot of, a lot of young Japanese money in there and a lot of tech money. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're very lucky. We get to play it from time to time. And yeah, you're right. People at those types of clubs, if you have the 50 to $150,000 to get down on, on one of those memberships, 5k and a fucking, yeah, you'll, you might even have your own golf cart. At the particular yeah. place that gets waxed down and is sitting on twenties, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Exactly. Man. Um, no, you're right. You're totally right. Whenever I get to sneak on, or not sneak on, they let us play every now and then <laughs> on Mondays. But every time I get on there, it's like it's a crime that no one else is allowed to get on this course because it is phenomenal. I personally think it's the greatest course that's ever been designed. One of them, I, I really do. Um, For like it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, like Merced. Alistair McKenzie, I mean, it's badass, dude. It See, is I, badass. I have to admit, man, I, I wonder I, – this This is exactly the rabbit hole that I wanted to go down with you because I, I feel like towards the end of this thing, let's, let's transition a little bit into yeah. like some Bay Area golf. But yeah. I want so badly to know what Lake Merced was like when it was an actual – mckenzie golf course because since he designed yes. it highway yes. 280 has moved in they've had you know the, the amount of property they've had to work with they cut a shrunk. ton of trees down yeah they cut a ton of trees down robert muir's graves came in redesigned it then the fucking you know u.s open doctor shit yep. reese jones came in and redesigned it again it's granted the golf course is phenomenal i love lake merced but when i think about every alistair mckenzie golf course i've played and i've been fortunate enough to play a handful of them and yeah. just how good they are. I just want to know what he did with that piece of property. Like, I don't even know if there's any actual holes that are still, you know, in existence that are exactly as he laid them out. Do you, do, do you have any knowledge on that? You know, I don't. I don't have the specific knowledge. I'll tell you this, though. Every time I see someone tweet out a picture, there's a couple of, like, old SF uh, Twitter, like, photo uh, album groups or whatever that, mm-hmm. I, that I follow online. And they've tweeted stuff. I just save the pictures. And I look at them, but they're all like these aerial views. I will. I'll get you some of that knowledge. You know, there's a course. This is my one of my favorite courses, and this is the one reason why I love Lake Merced. Is it's the same thing as Alistair McKenzie. You could play one course depending on the weather, the tee box, the pin location. Um, any one of his courses can be played so many different ways, and can play so many different difficulties. Given the time of the day, like I said, the tee box location, how the trees overhang, where the pin is um, in relation to bunkers and things like that. It's there is a, a, like and I go back to this. I think one of his most perfect spots and I know people are going to say pass the tempo. But even though it's just a nine hole, I love Northwood up in uh, in Monterey. I think it's damn near a perfect course. You are preaching to the choir, it's, brother. It, it is it is very minimalistic. He allowed the trees to be natural hazards and things like that. There aren't a ton of bunkers. It is one of the most challenging, yet on other days can be one of the easiest courses you've ever played. 
Um, but you got to have your A game. You got to hit shots. You got to stay below the green. You got to know that course inside and out. And still, you'll get snake bit. To me, that is the hallmark of a classic Alistair McKenzie course. The greens where they slope from back to front, um, and you got to be below the hole. It's um, it's incredible. And 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 they weren't. They're not super hilly, but he goes with the terrain, and I feel like the trees, everything matches it. He really was uh, a freaking mad scientist, and yeah. and there's there's something I, I've learned where he brought whatever the heck that magic potion was from St Andrews. He brought it out here, yeah. and we're just so lucky to play those courses. And it's I always think like how many thousands of people have played this course over the last you know I know for example Lake Merced's 1919 or 1923, mm-hmm. whatever it is. It's a hundred years. It's incredible. I, it is a century old. Yeah, it's yeah. Sorry, I get all crazy. No, no, yeah. no, no. Hey, man, you, know, you are like I said, you're preaching the choir, man. Like Northwood is most likely my favorite public access golf course in the North Bay area. I mean, I may even go so far as to say that it is my favorite public course in all of the Bay Area. I do, n- I never pass up an opportunity to go play Northwood, and I'm very, very lucky. They're actually one of our clients at Golf Guide. And they are absolutely fantastic. Vern, Vern Paul, Gaylord, all my guys up there, there Gaylord. Too. His two kids can play, man. Oh, man. It is it is such a fantastic place. And, you know, it's funny because you mentioned it because when, uh, when I had Chris Durr, that assistant uh, pro yeah. from Presidio up there last weekend, I actually took him out to go play Northwood for the very first time. He had never he played saying? Northwood before. And he was just out there. I swear to God, man, every time I'd look over at him, his jaw was just at full slack. I mean, yeah. the guy was just open mouth being like, I can't believe this exists. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, dude, like this is amazing. And as residents of the Bay Area, we are so lucky. Like we have more Alistair McKenzie designed golf courses yeah, within totally a two right. hour drive than oh, anywhere not in the UK. I mean, as far as America goes, like we are so lucky. And it it is kind of a shame that only a couple are open to the public. And one of those two is you know sadly you know falling into disrepair. However, uh, With, uh, Sharp Park. Yeah, the the, the the gentleman over at the San Francisco Public Golf Alliance, Richard Harris yeah, and Bo Links, yeah, or fr- yeah. friends of the podcast, man. Yeah, um, those guys are doing such good work, man. I, I, have you? Heard I play of- Sharp all the time. I oh. play Sharp all the time. So Sharp looks really good right now. I'm really proud of Sharp. They put a lot of the resources from Harding Park and into Sharp Park. And again, one of the things I always think of with Alistair McKenzie courses. All a lot of the courses that you play uh, in other parts of the country that mm-hmm. aren't uh, an Alistair McKenzie, you have to go driver off every hole. It's all about distance. And a, every time I play an Alistair McKenzie course, it's about shot making and being smart off the tee and placement. And you know how far are you going to hit this and where are you going to hit this? And you know if you go too far, you're screwed. But if you hit it just right, it's really easy. You know what I mean? Like it's it's incredible how he risk rewards all of his holes. And I feel like that nuance is lost on the Reese Jones, the Robert Trent Jr.'s courses. You, you play all these newer courses and it's just like everything's 440 par four. Like, okay, I get it. It's it, you know? boring, man. Like playing, yeah. a, playing 440 yard par four over and, and over no and score. over again. It's fucking boring, man. And that's it like, is. like what I love about those McKenzie courses is – you know, I hear a lot of guys, especially like guys that are a little younger than us, guys who are in their, their early yeah. 20s and teenagers say, don't take the driver out of my hand. To which I say, fine, but I want a golf course where if you're going to insist on hitting driver, you better hit that thing to the tits. You better yes. hit that thing perfect. Otherwise, 
it's the wrong club. Like the well, see, and, yeah. and the thing is too, I, I think that there's there's something beautiful about hitting a three iron, a four iron, a five iron off tee. And, and being in the right position. There was something beautiful about the Tiger Stinger, right? Remember when oh, he used to do the Tiger Stinger? It's, a, it's the Jack sexiest thing Nicholas. I've ever seen in my life. No offense to my yeah. fiance. It's the sexiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Jack Nicholas hitting his famous two-iron cut at Olympic Club uh, on that first hole every single time. I'm not going driver. I'm going to go two-iron cut. You know, To me, the strategy is what makes the game more fun as well. And it, just being able to just go up there and bomb it, like I, I get it. I understand that there's a lot of people that like that. But, I mean – there's more to the game, I feel like, intellectually and artistically, when you have to hit shots. It should still be a shot-making thing. You shouldn't be allowed – not every course should you be allowed to spray it into the other fairway and score. Are those fun courses to play like Poplar and San Mateo? There's no doubt, and it makes you feel good, and you, you feel good. you know. But then they counteract it with fast greens and firm, and you know what you're going up against. But there's also something special about hitting a 6-iron to a 9-iron, you know what I mean? A 250-yard hole or a, you know something like that You know where you, where you don't necessarily have to go driver 4-iron, driver 3-wood. That's that's no fun for people. You want to at least have the impression that you can score. A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. And when you have the smaller clubs in your hand, you're gonna score. That's like like it's mathematically possible. You're gonna hit a nine iron better than you're gonna hit a four iron. I don't care what anyone says. Well, that's the other thing, man. It's like it's more fun to be hitting all the yes. different clubs in your bag. I mean, this thing is like yes. again, you know, hitting driver seven iron, driver four iron. Like okay, it's more fun. Like when I play a golf course and I hit every single club in my bag. That means one of two things. I absolutely sucked, and I just needed everything <laughs> in my bag to bail myself out of trouble, or it was a fantastic golf course. And yes. more often than not, it's always the latter, man. Like, yeah. it, it just, and that's it. Getting back to like Northwood as an example. Yeah. You, on all those par fours out there, you could hit driver, but yeah. un- unless you can hit a perfectly dialed in driver yep. that holds yep. a line for about 210 yards and then has about 30 to 40 yards of action to the right or left or the tail end of it. You're gonna get fucked if you try to hit driver, yeah, and yeah. It, it, it just it it basically you look at the scorecard, you stand on the tee, and Mister or I should say Doctor McKenzie is saying, "I dare you to yes, hit that driver. Exactly. I dare you." And the other great part about that is it levels the playing field, man. Totally, a guy, a guy who hits totally. a 300 plus yard drive, and a guy totally. like me who maybe hits it like more like in the 230 to 240 thing off the tee, it's yeah. the great equalizer, and I no love question. that. No question. I do too. And that's why not, and that's why going back to the classic venues, that's why they're the classic venues. And I know St. Andrews is this way now where like they can't go any longer. It's as long as it's going to get, you know? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's where it's like it's always about the shot making. All of those British Opens, when it's weather and there's tons of weather, it's about shot making. When it was Phil versus Henrik, shot making. Same thing it used to be for all the U.S. Opens. I keep going back to, you know, Tiger at Pebble Beach. He was hitting shots absolute perfect rifles off that hard firm turf into those greens sticking them um shot making is what thrills people for me uh for, especially for the majors for golf fans we want to see shot making. driver 100%. wedge driver wedge that's great for the bridgestone but <laughs> i don't need that i don't need that for you know the pga the masters or any of those i mean <laughs> i want to see shot making you know what i mean uh just just Throwing the Bridgestone Championship. I know, under, sorry, but it, it is. It's no, like, no, I, I totally agree, man. The, like the, Firestone is a forgettable golf course. The only thing that ever made Firestone good was that Tiger Woods would just lamb blast people there. I, I mean, yeah. the golf course yeah. itself is very forgettable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, shit, man. All right, so I, Joe, I, I don't want to you know, keep you for too long here, man. I'm just having, I'm having so much fun that I could go for yeah. for days, but I'll uh, 
it, uh, I'm going to ask you a couple questions here before we start to bring this thing yeah. up to a wrap. So as a as a as a Muni Marine, as a guy who loves playing the public links, yeah. uh, and you know a a proud San Francisco resident, Bay Area golfer, I you know I'm curious. I'm sure the people that are listening are curious. What what are some of the places that you like to play in each respective yeah. part of the Bay Area? So I mean, obviously, it sounds like you play Harding a lot. You live in San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. Where, where else do you like to play when you're in the city? Well, one of my favorite little holes to I call it. I think it's the hardest course in the Bay Area, and and I'll challenge anyone to shoot their handicap at this course. I, I truly believe that. And I'm talking about none of these like mulligans and gimme putts. <laughs> Go out, play this course one time all the way through. I, it is U.S. Open conditions 24/7, but it's the best it's ever looked. And I'm telling you this because I play there a lot. I go up to Glen Eagles. Mm. I love, I love Harding. I really do. I love Harding. There is something that I love about the blue collar nature of Glen Eagles and how there's no one behind you and there's no one in front of you and it's windy and you're on a hill and it's rock hard and you got to hit shots and you got to keep it straight. And God forbid, you're going to probably lose four or five balls. That's okay. And I know Mm -hmm. it's frustrating and everybody who plays there curses at me after two or three holes, but you get your $23 worth every single time you go there. And one thing that it's made me do is it's made me appreciate all the other courses that are out there because – I truly believe it's one of the hardest courses out there, and it's because of how beat. No, it's beat up. Let's be honest; it's yeah. not going to have the condition of Harding, but it looks really good right now. Like there's grass in the fairway; it's hard, and you have got to strike the ball perfectly straight, and you've got to hit shots into the wind. You've got to putt really well on fast greens. You got to hit good chip shots onto a slick surface. To me, it's one of the hardest courses out there. But um, I love playing that in San Francisco. Presidio's gorgeous, mm-hmm. no question. My favorite one that really made me become addicted to golf is Lincoln. Um, $23 to play it and walk. Oh, yeah. Me and my brother probably played it a thousand times, and I'm not <laughs> joking when I say that. Um, it's it's challenging enough for most people. It's still short. There's a lot of long par threes. Again, you got to make shots. You got to hold out. That 17th hold is a beautiful ball buster. Yeah, it should be a par four, right? I know it's 240 downhill, but no one ever hits the green with their driver. I'm sorry. It's so hard. Everyone always comes up short because you don't want to go on the street or they try to push it right into the bushes. It's, again, difficult course. It's a muni, but that's what you get. You know, you're going to have funky lies. You're going to have mud piles. You're going to have dry dry fairways. I love playing there. Uh, In the South Bay um, or in the peninsula, Mm -hmm. I guess, I love playing Poplar. Crystal Springs is brutally windy and long and a headache and i always get frustrated because it's a six hour round and you don't have any flat lies Dude, it's, it's expensive if, uh, correct me if i'm wrong but poplar yeah. and crystal like those are the only two public golf courses in like one of the most massive population yeah. centers in the entire bay area i love the peninsula poplar. desperately needs another public golf course well, they've got like three private courses, though. So that's where they kind of like offset it because there's a lot of money in those Millbrae, Burlingame true. Hills. That's true. Um, you know, they got the Peninsula Golf Club. I think there's a Burlingame Golf Club or something like that. Everyone's probably rolling their eyes. But uh, the Sharon Heights down the way in Palo Alto. Uh-huh. One of my favorite courses that was closed that I loved playing because you could get on for 30 bucks every Saturday morning. They'd have tee times. No one would be out there. And it was really – it was a fun course. And it really taught me how to how to score was Palo Alto. And that was a Muni, Palo Alto oh, Muni. They're yeah, going to yeah. it. And it's going to be called Bayland. So I'm really excited to see what it looks like there. I thought that was a really challenging course. Again, made me use every every club in the bag. You know, um, it was only a par 68 because a couple holes had got altered. Um, but it was tough. You know, it was tough. And 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 you'd learn how to 
how to lower that handicap, you know. And it's funny how they, they do these course ratings and some of the slopes. I always like, who is rating these courses? Uh, who is giving out it, these slopes? It is, it is the homeboys at the NCGA who are I rating know, those golf courses. But and they, wrong. Dude, like, they're wrong. Dude, they're they are there for the free lunch, man. Like, I, I have heard, like, I, I got a couple of buddies who are golf pros at various courses yeah. around the Bay Area. Yeah. And they despise the Raiders that come out from the NCGA because they are pretty much there for a free round of golf and a free lunch. And that's about it, man. He's like, it is so obvious me. these guys don't give two shits. Like, it, it is like, like, here's a great Here's a great example. Like, if you play uh, Poplar, right, for example. Now, again, I told you, the wide open fairways, they're going to be firm. You're going to have the fast greens. But, like, you you could be a 10 handicap, you know what I'm saying? And, and you could easily shoot in the 70s there, you know, as a 10, 9. Easy. You should be shooting in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that it's like par or course rating is like 71-1 from the tips. But again, you play it on a nice day, okay, a really nice day. Um, course rating is really like 65, you know what yeah. I mean, 66. Mm-hmm. Um, but you play it in that wind in the afternoon, yeah, course rating's more like seventy-five. So I just I, I don't know. There's there's a, such a hard, the whole handicap system. I feel like is erroneous. I feel like the whole thing is erroneous. What course are you playing? Like Dan Dibley, I interviewed. We had a great talk about this. It's like, oh, I'm a ten or a twelve, but it but it travels. And it's like where I play. Um, I, like like I said, if I just put in scores at Glen Eagles, mm-hmm. my handicap would be like in the twenties, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's brutal. It's brutal. But if I just put in Lincoln scores, you know, my handicap would probably be single digits. You know what I mean? Because it's a much easier course mm-hmm. for me to negotiate and for me to for me to uh, to navigate my way through. So um, I, it's just that the the whole handicap thing kills me. The course or anything kills me. Okay, South Bay. I like Shoreline. I love Shoreline. I think that's a really fun course. Mm-hmm. Um, Santa Clara is cool. I played down at Cinnabar. That's a tough course. Cinnabar's tough, long, and there's a lot of a golf. Man. 27 course. holes is a lot of golf to play in a day. Not that I don't love playing 27 holes in a day, but yeah. Yeah, one of my pet peeves. One of my pet peeves is when you go to these courses, especially the newer ones. It's like we played one out in Antioch in a tournament. Me and my brother, just some random people we played with. It was just like a horrible experience. But I played Roddy Ranch out in Dublin. I think it, or Antioch. I think it got closed. Unfortunately, it has closed down. There was so many environmental hazards on every freaking tee box, and there was out-of-bounds everywhere. I'm like, unless you literally went around this course and took ridiculous notes, there is no way anyone, even a single-digit handicap, there is no way you're breaking 80 without intimate course knowledge. Intimate course knowledge. That might be why it's closed, brother. But that's that's ridiculous. Like, that's... You shouldn't be out there for seven hours, like scared to hit a putt because you have, you know, stint meter of 18 when the Masters has a stint meter of like 13. Like, get out of here for the weekend golfers. (laughs) Like, make it flow. I I just, but that's the stuff that freaking kills me. And that's like, oh, here. So here's some really fun courses that I like. I love multiple tee boxes. Like, you should have lots of tee boxes so people can play forward. And the starters should push people forward. You know, that's how you play to the the handicap or excuse me the box that your handicap is don't you want to score don't you want to have scoring clubs in your hand don't you want to get better you know why would you make it harder on yourself i i I never understand that but um i really love in the north bay peacock app i think that's a great little course Peacock app is great man it is it's a great course it can be pricey on a saturday but it's a great course um i've played san rafael uh, what's the ones? McGinnis a billion times. No I love McGinnis Golf Park. I love taking kids there because they're so kid friendly. I take my wife there because there's not a lot of intimidating holes. It's just challenging enough. I pretend like I can shoot under par there every time I go there. <laughs> like I'm like this is the time I'm shooting under par here every single time, and I've gotten so close to like 
being right at par there. But it's tough. It's challenging. I always put one on the hill on nine every time trying to drive the green instead of laying up. Um, but it's just like I love those kind of courses. There's some something about the $25 to $45, $55 range of golf that I just – I find so – Accommodate. San Geronimo is a really hard course. It's long. It can get wet in the canyon, and, mm-hmm. and, and you lose a lot of balls. But that's a fun course. Again, got to play that one a couple times though. Um, and then as we creep forward up, like Petaluma uh, in, in Santa Rosa, like I, I, I love Northwood. I love Half Moon Bay. Played there. Absolutely fell in love. I played with my dad there, and there was not a, a cloud in the sky. Absolutely picturesque day. And it was one of the easiest courses I've ever played. And it was because the weather wasn't a factor. And we tore that course up. And my dad and I could not believe. And again, first time playing it. And we were putting for birdie, putting for par on every single hole, putting for eagle on one of the the, the shorter par fives. You know, like that's, whoo, I like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's nothing <laughs> like that. Oh, man. Eagle putts feel good, don't they? God. It's the best feeling in the world. Oh. I don't even care if it's an eagle pup. Give me an eagle little chip. You know what I mean? Give me an eagle chip. Uh, to me, that's an eagle chip. Yeah, you know just, what I mean? Just give me a shot to put up one yes. of those numbers that I get to put two circles around on the scorecard. Exactly. Like one of the things I judge courses on is their par threes. Mm-hmm. Like I get it. You, you want to have like a 200-yard par three. I totally get it. If all four of your par fours or, or excuse me, par threes – or 200 plus yards and like up. impossible. It's just like, come on, you gotta balance it out a little. You gotta allow me to score. I love a drivable par four. I love a long par four that pretty much plays like a par five. I love gettable par fives. Like, there's, there's, there's a good par four mix. and a halfs, man. They're, they're the best. Yeah. There's a good mix of, of holes that you need to have. You know what I mean? Like, um, East Bay. Let's go to the East Bay real yeah, quick. There's some really cool courses I like in the East Bay. Love Metro. Love mm-hmm. Metro. Mm-hmm. It reminds me kind of like of the East Bay's version of Sharp Park, but better maintained. Okay. Really like it. Really, really like it. Okay. Fun course. Shot maker course. You can hit low shots into the green. You can hit the high shots and try to have them stop. There's water, um, firm fairways. Again, a lot of a lot of hazard area, so that's fun. You know, you can think off the tee. You can go iron off the tee. Um, I'm a sucker for two irons. I love two irons. I hate yeah, a lot of two buddy. irons. Yeah, so like, you know, there's certain courses I would just take, put the hybrid away or the four wood away and just go iron because I can hit more shots off that, that like really tight lie dirt. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Um, and I like that. I love thinking, you know what I mean, before I go to the course. Another one of the ones, it's more in Berkeley, I think is just a must play. You're Tilden, Tilden, man. I freaking love Tilden. I'm yeah. in love with Tilden. It's a great course. The turkeys in the morning. When I play first thing in the morning and it's so foggy, you can't even see your ball on that first par, par four up the hill that plays like 500 yards, even though it's only like 400. It's uh, <laughs> I love that course. I absolutely love that course. Um, I there's so many man. The Bay Area. That's the thing that we're lucky about is you could go on golf now, or you can go play so many different styles of golf um, in the Bay Area for a pretty affordable price. Chuck Carica is another one that's really fun to play at. Chabot. Chabot's a trip, man. Chabot's a trip. It's it a is. tough course. The par six. You're not going to play a par six anywhere else in the Bay Area. No. So, um, again, I, I always go back to the Munis, man. I love the Munis. And to me, if you could score on a Muni and you could ball and, and play all these different courses, your game travels. You know what I mean? Playing the same course. And I get it. I'm not knocking people that do it. I'm jealous, number one. And number two, like, don't you want some diversity? Don't you want to try different styles? And I'm great. I'm glad you've mastered, you know, Sharon Hill or Sharon Heights down in down in Palo Alto. Come with me out to, you know, Lincoln Park and let's see if you can score on Lincoln Park. 
You know what I mean? I, I, I consider that more of a true test. You know what I mean? That's of, the one uh, thing I always wonder about guys who, or, you know, or girls, you know, we're, we're not sexist here on the Golf Guy podcast. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, many girls will, many, me and many, many dudes. Many, many ladies will kindly and happily whip me out there yeah. on the golf course. But that's the thing. Like, if you're a member of a private course, like, yeah, like you can master one specific golf course but the great thing about being like a you know a public golf course kind of guy is that you play different places all the time and your game adapts to be able to be able to play in different places and not just at one location and i feel like you know if you continue to play the same course over and over and over again not only are you depriving yourself of one of the greatest things about golf and that is the court of play can change from day to day yeah you you know it's just you seem like you're handcuffing yourself strategically by yeah. not exposing yourself to different things all the time. No doubt. And one of the things Brian Murphy told me when I had him on my podcast, and I, he's so right about this. And my brother mentioned this as well when I had him on. Any course in the Bay Area, depending on how the weather is on a given afternoon, one hole to the next, literally one hole to the next, is a different course. It's a totally different course. Like you, you play um, any of those East Bay courses in the middle of October when it's hot and it's warm Ooh. and it's the middle of the day. Ball is flying, yeah. flying over there, and it's gorgeous. Conversely, you play Presidio in November when it's wet. Good luck breaking ninety out there, even yeah. if you're a good player, because you're gonna plug five, six, seven balls. You're gonna hit how many mud shots out of the fairway? I mean. That's a long course, especially when the the air is heavy, you know, and your your drives aren't going. That's the thing about Barry Golfman. Everyone is so obsessed with distance, with distance. And I watched this interview with Phil Mickelson, and this is why I love golf. They asked him, Phil, how far do you hit a wedge? Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, what kind of wedge am I trying to hit? What type of day is it? Is the wind blowing? Where's the pin? You know, that's what Bay Area golf is. It's totally. like I can hit this seven iron. I can hit this wedge. I can hit a hybrid low. Like, how do I want to play this? And that's why I love it. And that's why I love traveling all around the Bay Area and, and trying out these new courses, and then falling in love with one of them, or completely swearing one off. You know what I mean? There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, we've all been there. Yeah, we've all been there, man. That's part of why we love this goddamn game so much. Oh, shit. Joe Shasky, this has been an excellent time. Can, can I ask you a favor in advance yeah. before you even know the answer? Can, can yeah. we do this again? Yeah, I want to. Dude, you're, me and you are like oh. two peas in a pod. we got to go play, dude. Yeah. So where are you at? Where are you at in the Bay Area? So, so I, I grew up in the North Bay. I grew up in yeah. Santa Rosa. Um, I'm there, you know, pretty often. My lovely fiance just got into nursing school, actually, at our alma mater chico state so i actually split oh, my chico! time. I, I, I am a wildcat man so i actually nice. am splitting my time uh between chico and the bay area right now where i kind of go back and forth every other week so um you know for the most part when i'm in the bay area i'm in the north bay um uh, but you know I, I take any opportunity i can get to go visit other parts go visit friends go play new golf courses i mean that's the other thing is like it, we are so fortunate in the bay area man. we have you know a hundred golf courses Yes. Within like a two and a half hour drive, almost yeah. nobody, unless I you're know. an old person in Florida or Phoenix, you <laughs> you you do you are not able to say that. I mean, we are so lucky in terms of just the vast, just plethora of golf yeah. that we yeah. have available to us, and it, it's just it's a it's a good time to be alive, and it's a good time to be a golfer, brother. 
Yeah, it is. Hey, we got a plan in October. When we, if you're up the uh, Russian River in October, we're going to hook up. All right, we're going to have to go play. We'll all go play Half Moon Bay. I'll come to you. We'll go play somewhere in Santa Rosa. we got to play Northwood. Something. we got to do something. I, and i got to ask you before I get you off. Please, man. What kind of irons are you rocking, dude? And what's your favorite club? I ask everybody mm, this. Well, what, what's your what's the bag looking like right now? That is a very, very good question. So uh, if, you're, if you're asking me what's in my bag right now, uh, so up until about a year and a half ago, I had been playing the same set of Ping I3 Plus blades oh, yeah. oh, for yeah. about eight years. I always thought they were great until I put the sticks in my bag that I'm using now. And right now I have the 2016 Mizuno JPX Easy Forged Irons. and Those they are, are sweet. What kind of Money. shafts did you get? Uh, I've got the, I think of the P90s. Um, oh, dude. So you got it all dialed in. Those are beautiful. I, I tried the hot metal, the JPEG. I tried all those ones, man. They're, the, all of them look unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And they look unbelievable. Mizuno, hands down, I, I, makes the sexiest irons in golf. I mean, and that's the, that, that's not to shit on the idol. Titleist makes no, beautiful no, no. They clubs. make great ones. PXG, but like for supper, just for me, from a, my, my own personal taste, I just think all of Mizuno's irons just look so good. And it's funny because I actually think the JPXEZs, which are the ones, again, that I have in my bag, yeah. are maybe the least attractive out of any of them because they're blue. With that little blue? Backs. The little they bit have the blue. little, yeah. They do. Yeah. But the thing about it is, man, like they have got a little bit of an offset. And, you know, for me, I, I my whole life I was playing those Ping I3 Plus blades. I was like, oh, yeah. man, I should be using MP55s. Like, I need, yeah. like, a nice muscle back club. You know, I was, you know, in my early 20s, mid 20s, getting into my late 20s. I'm like, God, I need, like, a, I need more of a player's iron. That's what's holding me back. No, dude, not at all. Finally, I put these easies in my, in my bag, which are supposed to be for guys with handicaps from, like, say, 10 to yeah. 20. It, it's yeah. definitely not what you would call a player's iron. Dude, it has been a revelation, man. I I feel like I can just smack the golf. I can I can do anything I want. These golf clubs look me in the face as I'm standing over <laughs> the golf ball and say, "Bro, I got you. I know you're uh, about to fuck this one up, but we got you." And I'm uh, like, I love and that. It is so great, man. It, it, it's funny because my handicap, granted, I've been a little out of it the last like two months or so. I wanted a big. Uh, I was looking went on a big vacation in July yeah. uh, with a lady, and so I took like five or six weeks off playing golf, and I've not quite been able to get my game back to where it was. But I mean, this chipping last, and putting, bro, dude, chipping and putting. This last year, man, I, my handicap's been sitting anywhere from like a seven to a nine, which for a guy who Woo. plays as much golf as I do, you know, isn't great. But dude, that's still the best I've ever played in my whole life. No, that's really good, that, man. It's, it's better it's than best, me. It's the best I've ever been. I mean, I, I was that yeah. dude who played high school golf varsity high school golf for four years but that makes me sound way better than i actually am. <laughs> i was the perennial five six man on my high school golf that's team. okay I, I was that's the, okay yeah. i wish i played in high school i oh. played baseball and basketball i wish i wish i had gotten turned on to the game like more on a team aspect at earlier on I, I really and i always think about it like man i wish i would have played you know because yeah. i was spending my time on the baseball bench you know yeah, man. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what dude like so high school what, golf what are you great memories and but you want to hear a shitty and remarkable high school golf story. My dad, who went yeah. to Pacific Palisades High School, he was just missed going to high school with Steve Kerr by one year. My, Steve Kerr was in oh eighth grade when my dad was a senior in high school, right? So they're both wow. they're both Pally High grads down in you know Malibu, California. His high school team's home course was fucking Riviera. 
Oh, Jesus. Riviera one of, again, Country one of the greatest Club. courses out there. Dude, the my last dad, 18. Oh, he love decided 18. to start playing golf when he was 20. He had a perfect opportunity to go play Riviera uh, for free five wow. days a week and decided instead it was way, it sounded way better to just stop playing sports. <laughs> now, granted, he, he does always like to remind me, he's like, listen, I never got to play Riviera, but you got to remember, Kyle, this is the late 60s, early 70s. I, you know, I dropped acid on Riviera at least five or six <laughs> times, and I'm like, dude, that is super cool, but it still would have been cooler to play it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't need the drugs anymore <laughs> to uh, enjoy the golfing experience. That's funny. Uh, that is. So what driver are you rocking and what putter you got right you now? Know, right now, so I've actually had the same Scotty Cameron Studio 1.5 in Ooh. my bag for like the last, Ooh. I want to say, close to 11 years. I love that putter. Yeah. My buddy Kev, who's been on this podcast a couple times, who of all like my really close buddies, is probably the most accomplished golfer that I that I play with regularly. Kev kind of sits anywhere between like a plus one to like a Ooh. one and a half. Wow. He's and really good. Huh? He's been telling me for at least five years that I need to get that thing out of my bag, but I love it, man. <laughs> I, and this thing feels everything. You know, you we, like it. I'm you telling know? you, man, it's funny because when you were talking about Rory a little bit earlier and how he's like messing around with all this kind of stuff, I putted standard for my entire life. And I want to say maybe a year ago, I finally started to experiment with going left hand low. Yeah, it made an incredible. I mean, I, it was just the, the the changes and just the difference was so noticeable, and that it only took me about a month of going left hand low before I just went full balls to the walls and went to the claw, which is where I've been for like the last eleven years. Oh I've no, never, you're Sergio and Phil, huh? Dude, I've never put it better claw. in my entire life. I, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Good dude, for dude, you. I swear, man, I'm so embarrassed. Like. Not only do I use the claw, I have one of those embarrassing, disgusting Fatso 5.0 grips on my putter. Oh, you got the cat? Dude, I, I'm telling you, it looks so dumb. Like, Because the Studio <laughs> 1.5 is like a really small putter head, right? It's not. It's like when you see one of those obnoxious, huge putter uh, grips, you're supposed to have like a big mallet so it kind of looks yeah, like it's no, a Yeah, no, I don't. I got the half blade. I got the number nine. Oh, dude, like there's just tiny little head on my putter with just this enormous girthy fucking you know putter grip and then you got me over there using the claw and it looks so obnoxious and yet i've never putted better so i hey, I, I, I can't stop works. it's all about whatever works man oh, man it is great so yeah but yeah. by the way before i let you go man what's in the bag for you i mean people are i'm sure very curious i, I know i'm curious yeah uh, so i i started off actually with like ping eyes back in the day my dad's old set you know we'd hit his stuff and then i got some tommy armors from like the 80s and mm -hmm. i rocked those forever I had Tommy Armors forever, and then um, when I when I got older, I got into uh, some RBZs because they were cheap. Oh yeah, you know, and I ended up mm -hmm. sawing them down, and my wife uses them now. Very good. Um, yeah, so she's rocking those, you know. But I, I didn't even really know what I liked. So then I went to Pings. I love because I always love Ping. I had mm -hmm. Ping Carsons, which were like old man clubs, basically. That's what everyone told me. They were big chunky cavity back clubs oh yeah and you know what i i totally improved my swing i went from like a thousand handicap down to um about where i am now you know which is about i hover anywhere from a 10 and a half to like a 12 and a half mm -hmm. again it's all over the place um and uh, i've been playing die hard for about five years you know four okay. or five years hey, now man, uh, just uh, got a new set that's of that's the range uh, i've been in like my whole life man this whole like seven to nine thing is only like a lot <laughs> of development in the last Short 11 game. months you, you and i are I very similar I don't hit the ball very far, but second shot, I try to keep it somewhere near the green, and I know that my short game's really good, and hopefully my putter's working on a given day. Um, you know, you're not going to hit every fairway. You're not going to hit greens in regulation, but course management, you know, play the game smart. I'm a thinker. 
I try to keep my try to keep the ball below the hole, and uh, and I know that I have good short game, you know. Like everyone, lag it up there, you know. Lag it up there. Hope you sink a couple birdies. Hope you sink a couple uh, uh par putts to to save for par and, and and walk on the next hole. But I got I got an Odyssey putter. I rocked a ping um answer the old school one forever i probably have four or five old ones in, in the in the garage i got a ton of different sets old sets that my dad had in the garage that we kept my dad's played his whole life my dad's single digit he's he's a stud my brother plays now too he's a few strokes behind me right now but uh i got the new i200s um coming i cannot wait absolutely man, those are going stoked. to be sexy yeah absolutely stoked and they're a little more compact look to what i grew up with which is like the tommy armor like the original cavity almost like a it's like a half cavity half blade you know just a, a classic feel iron you know mm-hmm. um i love the feels i, I tried a, a lot of different ones like steelhead and they're like oh this is the most forgiving and the longest and there's just no feel to those like i, I, I like I, there's something about and that's why i like the ping glide wedges when you hit it right in the middle, it, it just it gives you the response, you know, and, and you can hit it a little high up on. Um, hitting the ball with wedges and practicing short game has made me a better ball striker, and that's the one thing that I love wedges, man. I absolutely love a 60 and a 56, the different ways you can get it in there and spin it. I love – I. I've learned through basketball and different things that having great hands really helps you in golf for all around the green. And so I'm like obsessed with wedges right now, dude. Like that's where I'm really focusing a lot of my time on is um, is the wedge game. And I, again, I know I'm going to spray the driver no matter how much I work on it. And I still work on it. But uh, I try to spend <laughs> two to one time on chipping and putting over driving and long irons. Hey, you know, what was it? T- t- compass, you said it perfectly. Driver show, putt for dough, big boy. Yeah. In 30 putts, you figure anywhere from 20 to, you know, 25 to about 35 putts in a round, you know, is with that flat stick, you uh-huh. know, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to reduce those as fast as I can. But, uh, yeah, I'm again, I'm like you, man, I'm like, I'm an equipment haunch. I found the, the tour edge four wood. No, I, I never, ever even heard of the company. Dude, you know, like anybody never, that loves tour edge is, is good in my book, man. Tour, tour edge gets no love because it's not expensive. Ever. It's great, man. Tour, tour great. edge makes awesome stuff. And I love the sound. It reminds me of my old crappy. I had these old crappy Mizuno fairway wood sets. I think one of them might even have been like a lady seven wood or something like that. But there's <laughs> this sound, there's this sound of that titanium that I, I, I just, I don't know what it is. I like the sound. I really do. And I'm, I'm, I'm a weirdo. I don't like adjustable anything. I know all the drivers now are adjustable. I realized with all the RBZ, not RBZ, uh, the SLDR and all those, you're just doing so much to the club. Like I need to know where I need to hit it every single time. You keep playing around that. I know once you dial it in, it's right. But for me, there's something about the non-adjustable. I'll learn to hit it on the sweet spot. You know, and I'll Mm -hmm. learn how to hit it in multiple ways. If you keep tinkering with it, you're not going to be able to utilize it for all the different shots that are necessary for a course, you know, because you're not going to hit all your four woods the exact same way or three woods or two irons or whatever it is. So and then I got you're going to love this. I put a one iron Mizuno uh, every now and then when I play Sharp Park, I have a a Mizuno. I think it's an MPH 25 one iron, which I got the one iron. Love it, absolutely oh, love it. I, I use it on par fives. I absolutely and I can hit it off the off the ground. People like laugh at me when I pull it out. And then I had a two iron Strixon, like a U sixty five. That is a it's a freaking rocket. And when I need to hit a low draw, especially at Glen Eagles, because you can't hit a fairway sideways. You know, you're like literally the ball is like where your head is and your feet are down really, really low. You're hitting basically a sideways shot. There's nothing like a little snap hook two iron. I don't know what it is. I absolutely love that shot. Oh, that is amazing. Uh, well, shit. Well, Joe, I have to admit, I, I feel guilty because I have already 
taken 36 <laughs> more minutes from you than I usually my, like to request from a guest. My bad, bro. No, I've just, I, I, I love, I've just had so much fun talking to you, man, that, uh, you know, I, I just get carried away. I stop looking at the clock and I just, you know, just enjoy myself. So uh, we'll, we'll put a hold on this podcast for now until we get together again next time. Sounds oh. good. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. And a big thank you to Joe Shasky for joining me today. Uh, you can follow Joe on Twitter at ButcherBoy415. I'm pretty sure he's also there on Facebook, Snapchat, you know, wh- whatever social media platform you enjoy using. I'll bet you Joe is on there. And uh, you can also find Joe's podcast, The Butcher and Baru, on iTunes or your podcast player of choice where Joe and his co-host get into a plethora of other Bay Area sports topics, Giants, Warriors, uh, you know, you name it, he has probably got an opinion on it. So everybody, thank you again for listening. One last reminder to please go ahead and uh, if you like nice golf on a really well-conditioned golf course, come join us next month, October 30th at Green Valley Country Club. Tickets can be found on golfguide.net and Eventbrite. That is the Golf Guide member for a day event at Green Valley Country Club. All right. Until then, uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week uh, with my buddy Ben. And until then, mahalo. Mahalo.